It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. And I'm Vanessa Ragland. Hey, Vanessa Ragland. Hey, Cole. How are you? I'm so great. Terrifico. Yeah, how are you? I'm really good. Good. You look it. You have a glow today. <laughs> Thanks. For well, our listeners. I am radiated. Oh, yeah. He also rubbed the yeah. inner contents of a glow stick all over his face. <laughs> I did. It's a rave on my face. We turned on all the lights. It's going to be a fun one. Thanks, guys, for yeah. coming to the show. We appreciate it. We're so glad to have you. And uh, we don't have too much to do up top today. We don't. But we'll just do some encouraging things. First, look in the mirror and say, <laughs> I love me. If you're a kitten hanging from a tree, hang in there. Hang in there, buddy. That's and right. if you're a mountain climber climbing a mountain, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you're a listener to the podcast and you would ever like to help us out at all, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That's right. We It'd like be really that. Easy. Uh huh. It helps us get featured. You can just look up Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes and rate us and leave us a review. Yep. You can also email us. Yeah. Info at popmyculturepodcast.com. We read everyone and we'll write you back. And it's exciting. Yeah. It's good to hear from you guys. And uh, pen pals. <laughs> guest suggestions always welcome. Oh, yeah. And we've actually gotten a lot of use out of your guest suggestions. Yep. So keep sending them our way you bitches also uh we are a listener supported podcast and if you would ever like to be a supporter that's easy that's right you could go to our website you get a free tote bag except that there's no tote there's bag there's no tote bag oh yeah we should have tote bags we should tote um, bags. you should go to our website which is popmyculturepodcast.com and there's a little donate button and you can just use your mouse which some people have a trackpad some people have a mouse that's attached via usb don't use an actual mouse. mouse like if you have a pet mouse no, don't, don't if don't. you click that mouse it's it gonna it's gonna hurt skull. it it's not going to be very happy. And but they do have gonna help flexible skulls. Did you know that about rodents? <laughs> I did not. Yeah. It's very weird. Anyway, uh, you can <laughs> click the donate button and give us any amount. Yep. And it's all appreciated. If you do donate, we give you a shout out on the podcast. And it goes a little something like this. Except that we're not doing it today. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> we've actually been recording a couple back to back to back. So uh, there was one or two that have come like in since then. But we orgy. like to do a, f- you know, a few at a time. So we'll save them for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, but until the next episode, I hope you guys just really appreciate the beautiful creatures that you are. That's right. Reach for the stars. And even if you... List, what is it? Oh, aim for the moon. Shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. There you go. So awe-inspiring. <laughs> also, uh, we have a cool guest coming your way shortly. Yeah. Uh, we will have a giveaway. What? Should be a signed DVD from one of his films. I haven't decided which one yet. I got a couple here. Ooh, ooh. Uh, all you got to do is leave uh, your, the answer to the first question, which is coming up later in the podcast, on our website in the on comment section episode, for yeah. this episode, and uh, we'll pick one, and you'll get that signed thing from our guest. Very cool. Again, the website is popmyculturepodcast.com. That's right. All right, shall we do this? No. All right, well, we'll just sit here for a while. Okay. All right, here we go. Bye. Our guest today, well, he's uh, he's done a lot of stuff. Yes, he's, he has. Uh, you can see him currently on Castle, where he recurs as uh, Sydney, the medical examiner. That, that's correct. Um, he was in a ton of movies and TV shows. Uh, Ellen. Just um, scroll down just on scroll IMDb down. and then keep We're going to talk about sister. a few of them. Get comfortable. Give yourself a good 90 minutes. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Buckle in, people. <laughs> Ari Gross is here. Hi, Ari. Hi. Thank it's you nice for to being have here. you. Thanks so much. Nice to be here. Oh, great. Great. Well, now we got that out of the way. All right. Let's Cross get off. into the real and trees. <laughs> uh, well, there is a lot actually going on right now because we're at the time of year where uh, networks are axing shows and 
green light and new ones, the upfronts yeah. are happening. And this year was particularly brutal with Ooh. just the sheer volume of shows that are no longer with us. So I guess this would be our in memoriam to television show segments. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off some of the shows that are no longer here. Uh, and some of them are surprising. Axes, some of them were were pretty obvious. And some that of them happen. now the fans are trying to save. Like, right. I mean, it's, it's a- They're sending a bunch of peanuts like they did with Jericho. <laughs> to the uh, so these are the ones that are no longer here. CSI New York, which is fairly I'm, surprising. I'm, I'm astonished. How but, many other yeah. ones are there? Other CSIs? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's there's Miami. Is, does Miami? Miami, is, yeah. Miami. There's the mothership, which CSI is... CSI proper. Which is Las Vegas. Yep. Um, there's CSI, CSI, where they investigate murders within the CSI system. <laughs> uh-huh. um, um, CSI parking division. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, uh, last year, did... C- Mothership CSI for the second time, not because the character was coming back, but you know they don't like to reuse, reuse a- actors in right. different roles. Um, but I had I done an episode in the third season, and now that it's I think the fifty seventh season, <laughs> they're like, all right, people aren't going to. They they ran out of actors. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so they, and you went underwent to, a gross physical transformation right, for their role. That's right. They had to uh, they they had to recycle me. <laughs> I understand, like, how that, like, because especially in, like, the smaller markets where they have a lot of five and unders to go. Because, like, I was on Nash Bridges twice in different characters in San Francisco because, Sweet. like, there's the pool that they're just constantly going through. Uh, totally different roles and different storylines <laughs> a couple of years apart. But it's just always funny that like, you tell somebody, oh, I'm on Nash Bridges. Oh, they brought your character back? No, I'm totally different, dude. Which <laughs> is their way of saying, you were good the first time and not memorable. Well, you know, the thing is, <laughs> they used to do that a lot in television. Yeah. Why, uh, um just because I was born in the 19th century, I remember that, um, uh, say, Barney Miller would have this company of character actors who would show up as, like, ten different guys over the years. Right. And that's pretty delightful, I think. It is. Yeah, because it's like so, a family of Especially, a like, in old, like, westerns and stuff, too. Like, yeah. the baddies would be, like, the same incarnations of the same dudes. In but the they've yeah. got different bandanas on, that's so right. there's so no confusion. You can't confuse that's them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that one's gone, which was very surprising to me because um, I just always thought that all those shows rated okay, can, I, can I say one more thing about yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, Gary Sinise, uh, uh, who's the guy in that. Midnight yeah. Clear you worked with, um, right? I worked with him on Midnight Clear right. uh, many, many years ago. And it was his, it was his first movie. Oh, really? And, and we shared a dressing room. Whoa. And, oh, and wow. he's, uh, he was like, did, but he'd already like directed movies. And then he did – that was his first movie and then like was a gigantic star within about three weeks and has been great in everything since. And you yeah, got to see all was... his goods in that dressing room, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gary you know, Sinise's? It weirdly – I weirdly didn't but it was a war, it was a war movie. I got to see how muddy he was. Oh, that that's, was right. that's the right, real right. delight of manliness. That is anyway. a great movie by the way. I love him in it, Claire. I think it holds up really well. Um Really good cast: Peter Berg, Kevin Dillon. That's right. Um, Frank Whaley. Frank Whaley, yeah. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Oh um, yeah. John McGinley. Yeah, John C. Yeah, that's right. Um, I about that. Uh, Larry Joshua. But well, I'm remembering virtually everybody. Um, and there's there's somebody I'm forgetting. I don't know why. But um, they didn't make it. Did you say Kevin Dillon? I did say Kevin Dillon. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Dillon. And I guess Keith, twice. Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon directed, directed it. it. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Griffin, his wife, uh, was in it. Um, she's the girl that we meet when we're on leave. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It kind of like I used to really – I think I was working at a video store there. No, I was about to, but I was constantly renting stuff, and that was one that like 
was something we we watched a lot when yeah. we were working in the theater. It's like the saddest it, movie of all. It's very sad. <laughs> I don't know what that says about Cole that you would like go and re-rent that over and over. Where were you mentally? I, I don't think that I re- re-rented it that much. I think once I started working at Video Store, it'd be one that I would just like put on, you oh, know, because it's yeah. just like it's it's very well done and very well acted. Yeah. But yeah, it is pretty pretty darn sad. It is. Yeah. It's a it's just a movie that's like filled with grief. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. That's a good thing sometimes. Yeah, I just don't want to. You know, reality. It's I nice. mean, I'd rather watch Uptown Girls over and over. <laughs> Brittany Murphy and Dakota Fanning. There's no, well, there's some grief in there, I guess, actually. Anyway. I mean, yes, I did watch these, like, major league more. <laughs> just, just happy for me, like, baseball movies. But it was a great film. Uh, so CSI New York gone. Uh, Whitney, which I'm surprised lasted as long as it did. Yeah. Uh, Malibu Country. Body of Proof. I don't even know what Malibu Country is. I think that was Reba's show. Am I wrong? Oh, was it? Maybe not. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Didn't well, watch maybe it. Maybe we found a clue as to I'm why sad about think. Body of Proof. Frankly. Yeah. Body of Proof is a good show. How long was that on? A while. Yeah. I don't know exactly yeah. how long. Two, two, two seasons, maybe? Two, yeah. yeah. It feels like they're just making way for so much reality, like the, the way they're clearing the field here. Uh, you know? Really? really? Right. I hope not, yeah, but I mean, I, it, it makes be, me it sad. Be, yeah. Like all these good... There's so many good shows that seemed like they had a great life and like happy endings. See, as a as a medical examiner or, or an actor who plays a medical examiner on there TV, you and you know, there's this you know this shrined Jack Klugman I have in the dressing room, um, <laughs> uh, where it's like, well, that's great. She plays a medical examiner, so maybe this will take off, and they'll be you know, maybe they'll do a a spinoff of Perlmutter. But to hear that a medical examiner. Centric show has failed. It hits close is, to um, home. Yeah, it's a, it's a very very kind of sad minor note. Dashes the hopes. I mean, half of this list is like okay, but then half of it is like shows that were actually really good. I thought had an audience, and I guess maybe were too expensive. I mean, well, maybe that was the issue with CSI. Maybe it just got to the point where it was just too pricey for them, based on you know. I just can't believe there wasn't a built-in audience for that. And happy endings like the fans are revolting now. Revolting. <laughs> that's not right. I don't think the that's fans right. are so ugly. <laughs> revolting. Oh, they're vile. Um, uh, is that the right word? The, but it just sounded horrible. It then? It's I guess it is. Yeah, that gets that feels be, very weird. A couple meanings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Um, but that show it had such a strong cast and such fun writing, and it did such weird stuff. But people are trying to bring it back now, like you see on Twitter and on the internet. The people are trying to revive it. I was sad that it was I also cut. one of those shows that was in limbo a lot because yeah. Damon Wayans Jr. was on that, and he did the pilot for New Girl because right. they thought Happy Endings was going to be canceled. It wasn't. So after the first episode of New Girl, they wrote them out. So and like they kept those- being super weird with the air times, which doesn't make it easy for yeah. an audience, like moving it around and having doubles one night. But that was a really sad one to see canceled. That me. was gone. How to Live With Your Parents, that Sarah Chalk show. John Dory, yeah. Uh, Red Widow, Golden Boy, Rules of Engagement, which has been around for seven seasons. That's crazy. Seven years. Holy cow. Show I've, I don't think I've ever watched, but seven seasons. It's weird. I mean, something. I am listening to some of these. It's I just a good don't know. title. It is. Rules of Engagement is a solid, yeah. solid title for a show. Yeah. Who was who was in that show? David Spade, Patrick oh, Warburton, right. I think. Right. Uh, like, good people are on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But it was well. one of those, like, Friday night sitcoms that, like, aren't meant for people to watch who just go out and do things. It's more for, like, you know, the stay-at-home moms yeah. or whatever, the things that people that, like, Friday... Like, for, when Friday night's event television, you're, like, a teenager or you're a bit older. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but now, ever since you just TiVo everything anyways, it doesn't really matter when it's on. Just watch it. Whenever you get to it, uh, Vegas, which was around for a while, 
Touch, which is that Kiefer Sutherland show, 1600 Pen, uh, Deception, Go On, the Matthew Perry show with Brett yeah. Gelman. And which I always folks. see the posters and think it's Goon. Goon, yeah. All the time, Goon. Looks like Goon. <laughs> That's what killed it in That's the end. That's what killed it. It was no rules of engagement title speaking. That's right. No. <laughs> That's right. Goon killed it. Uh, guys That's with like, Kids. You know, that was a, a show title. It's uh, like, it's oh, like yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, there's been some really bad. It just names. sounds great in a meeting, I bet. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, and people look around and they're like, yeah, yeah. No, that's I'd the title. <gasps> what? Yeah, what? What? That, that is the title. Huh? Frank, we got to pick this one up. We got to pick Go it up. Go on. Frank. <laughs> I'm really surprised there's not a show called What the. You think that that would be coming at some point? Oh, it is. What the dot 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 question mark exclamation Well, point. Mark Maron's show was. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Wait, it's fun, uh huh. His his new it's, show on yeah. AFC is Marin. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just premiered. Yeah. So I don't think that. But nothing bad is going to happen. I, no. would, I, would, I don't think IFC pulls the plug on things that fast. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, Marin's so, great. For decades now. Sorry. I know Have he's you always only been a fan of his. 26, but. Stand up and everything? His, yeah, his stand up, yeah. his, his, the, whole, the whole thing, his podcast is. Well, he was one of the very first to like latch onto the podcasting medium, which. You wouldn't expect from somebody who's kind of an older road comic because a lot of them really resisted it. Now a lot of them are starting to have podcasts, but yeah. a lot of you know a lot of those people initially reject the technology, like no, it's in the clubs, it's being in front of a live audience, whatever. But early on, he really adopted it and really made it a thing. So well, and what a lesson in like hard work too. I mean, he's been doing shows forever, stand up forever, and then like his podcast that he started later in life has launched this whole career that's been building forever. It's it's exciting. Yeah, I I, I went on iTunes the other day to find. St- some podcast I was looking for, and he's on the like recommended or whatever. He was number two. He was like right after This American Life. Yeah, yeah. He's Which he's always in the top ten. Gigantic. It's right? crazy. It's yeah, huge, it's amazing. Yeah. And his interviews are just the best. I mean. He cracks people open in a way that you're like, I can't believe I'm listening to this. Though I do think it's hilarious, though. Like when most places put out like top ten podcasts to check out list, it's you know, and, and I, I don't want to say anything bad about that since that's kind of helped us. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of the time, it literally will be like WTF with Mark Maron, The Nerdist, This American Life, all the ones that everybody already listens to, and yeah, you're like, like, well, it's good that you can rattle off the top with, ten, but like, there's like thousands of podcasts. You should just you should just leave a thing saying like, you know, obviously we're leaving like, off blah, yeah. blah 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 <laughs> because you already know them and already listen to them but check these other ones out that are further down the beaten path and we know very little about them because there are so many that you can't invest the time oh my gosh yeah everyone you meet now has the show I found like five new ones this morning. I was like, they have a podcast? And they're all popping up. Yeah. But it'd be the same thing if somebody did a top ten list, like top ten comedians you should check out. One, Eddie Murphy. Two, Steve Martin. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll look into really? that. They sound cool. <laughs> for people that just came out of a coma that are looking for... And Joan Rivers behind me. <laughs> she sounds years. fun. <laughs> what, a, what a unique worldview. Who knew? <laughs> uh, uh, just a couple more that are gone. Guys with Kids, The New Normal... Smash, which Aww. we saw coming, yeah. up all night because that thing imploded, and nine hundred two one zero. Which oh, that came huh. back. No, it was still on. <laughs> but you know what made it that I'm so excited about? Parenthood is coming back. I'm so, so nice. excited. Parenthood's back. Community somehow yep. is still yeah. kicking. Uh, that's what I, I hear. Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec came yep. back. Yeah, yep. which is yep. great. Good. One of the things that was surprising, one of the pilots that didn't get picked up was Beverly Hills Cop, which everybody thought would, because Eddie Murphy's on it. 
and uh, and he's and he's not like in every episode, but he's playing Axel Foley. But the whole thing is Brandon T. Jackson is his nephew or whatever, and he it follows him. But like Kevin Pollock is on the show, Judd Reinhold I guess is back for it and stuff like that. And yeah, like, what maybe is the world just, where that show won't work? This world, my, I guess. my thought that is either it was sad. just so expensive, and maybe the pilot was just a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. That and Barry Sonnenfeld directed the pilot, who's like you know a great director. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe they just thought it's so expensive and it doesn't seem like it's that great. We're going to pass on it because we feel like it's going to cost too much money. But now, of course, we're shopping it around, and somebody will pick it up. I mean, you know, it's it's a known property in the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. It's Eddie Murphy on television, which has not happened yeah. since like Saturday Night Live. So I, I don't understand. Like, I was really surprised that that didn't find a home. That's so strange. Kind of depressing. I'm depressed. Depressed. It's depressing. <laughs> I'm depressed. <laughs> it is depressing. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on with all those TV shows. And here's to hopefully new great shows that need a lot of actors coming out. That, that's right. Castle got picked up. Woo! I must say that. Castle's Boom. still cranking. Yeah. yeah. What that's a cast. A, that is such a great show. With such a great cast. They're super nice people. And, and I'm not getting paid to say that. I know it is a good-looking group, huh? It's a real good-looking group. Good looking so group. much Peeps. chemistry. Well, that was a show too that early on, like I was really rooting for because I'm a big Fillion fan. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was just like, will it work? It's a little later. You know, it's it's more aimed, more aimed at an adult audience outside of you know the Firefly kids out yeah. there. Yeah. But it really did work, and it picked up steam, and now it's just a juggernaut. And it's got such a charming sense of humor, like such a. It, it does, funky. and they do, they uh, they have great chemistry, and yeah, and every I mean, it's, it, I, I've done shows where I've been uh, part of the ensemble or, or a regular mm-hmm. uh, would be another way of saying that, mm-hmm. uh, um, or and, and shows like Castle where I've come in um, repeatedly as a guest, and they're they're great, and it's, that's just not always the case. Sometimes yeah. you know, really feel like a poor relation coming in and. Right, taking up space. They don't hit you there. No, they don't. They're nice. That's <laughs> I appreciate. It goes a long way. <laughs> a little not hitting goes a long That's way. That's right. How did uh, how did that, how did the role of Sydney come to you? Oh uh, well, the, I, I I just I read for it. Yeah. I mean, that was with you know I walked into a room of all these great actors and just thought, oh, this is awful. Why am I even bothering? <laughs> and. Um, and I and I wound up I wound up getting the part. Uh, initially, they were looking for um, somebody who was a little. I, I, I think the concept was like somebody who was sort of ghoulishly more interested in corpses than humans. Right. And the, and, but they weren't committed to that. They were just sort of looking for some thing to give this character. Right. Um, who would who would be a. Uh, a relief for the um, uh, basically for the actress who plays the other uh, medical examiner on the mm-hmm. show, and it just sort of evolved. I think partly because Nathan is so charming that um, I just decided that I hated him, right? <laughs> or that rather Perlmutter hated him, right? And they kind of were, they they sort of picked up on that and started writing to it. And it was That's so great. Yeah. So did that happen in the course of like doing episodes, or did you kind of bring that to the audition? No, no, that was just that was in, in the course of of um, of doing episodes because uh, I I auditioned without. I, I don't think the show had started airing yet. Okay. But uh, when I uh, uh, they just gotten picked up. And, yeah. So. 
That's so interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of times, and you hear this, but that you know, casting and writers don't exactly know what they're looking for. And I think it kind of is a. It's really exciting to see an actor make a choice that then the writers start tailoring to that. They're like, oh, we can do that. Yeah. That makes more sense than what we thought of originally. You know, some, some, somebody on the show was like, you know, because I'll do two, and then it, it won't hear from them for, you know, ten months, and think, oh, they must hate me. I ruined it. And then I'll get a call saying, yeah, they want you to do another one. Mm. And, um, and I'll be sort of overjoyed that they're, that they were thinking of me. <laughs> and there was one writer who was like, Oh, we're so glad you're back. You know, like, like half the writer's room is like, you know, we got to do something else with Perlmutter. Oh. And I go, oh, that's great. Sounds like I should uh, work on the other half of the writer's room. <laughs> yeah, what's going and, on and with she those was folks? like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> they are decidedly against you. <laughs> right. I do think it's great that he has such disdain for, for Castle in the sense that, like, because early in the first, very first season, the first episodes, there's a lot of, like, ugh, you're a writer, we all hate you kind of yeah. thing. But then very early on, they all love him and they yeah. all become chummy with him. Because how can you resist Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like when Sydney would come in, it was like a good reminder of that, like, not, not the writers woke up everywhere, really. And uh, he can't charm his way around everybody. I'm a doctor. I'm a man of science. There what you go. What's doing here? There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good show. And I'm glad it's still going. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it really is a creative show and a sea of shows that it's like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. It's so, it's just charming. It's just hard to get excited about shows nowadays because you're just so afraid the plug's going to be pulled at any time, especially anything that's like poor calls. But you know what I mean, like especially you things that are like, like like Lost or shows like that that are like really you have to watch every week. There's a big mythology. It's not like just a standalone episode where like oh that was a fun diversion, but like if I don't catch it next week, it's okay. I catch it the week after because it's just kind of you know compartmentalized. Yeah, right. A lot of these shows have these like these deep myth- mythologies and they're like super like you have to watch everything, and then you get six episodes. In do it or something, and then the network's like, no, never mind. And then you're like, oh, why did I waste that time? See, and I wait. Nothing's... I wait now. Yeah. yeah, I wait, and then I, and Gorge. then I, binge like Battlestar Galactica, seventy some odd episodes in like three weeks. Oh my god! There you go. Well, that's how you do slight it. Slight exaggeration, but I mean that's, I, but that is actually how I wind up. Sorry, everybody. No, it's that's a good way to watch it now. I mean, a lot of people binge binge watching is a thing now, especially with Netflix streaming. Oh, everyone like is so excited to binge on Arrested when it gets released. What is it? May twenty third. May twenty sixth. May twenty sixth. I believe. First um, all the episodes are going to be dumped, but I think everyone's kind of picking up on that's what we want to do. We want to just power watch, like live with characters for as fast as we can. Get through it. It's so fun. Like uh, 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 House of Cards. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was watching that in three days. Yeah, we did great. that in two days, I think. Yeah. It was just like, we can't stop. We can't go to bed right now. Yeah. Some shows definitely lend themselves to binge watching better than others do. Um, like 24 is the ultimate binge show, I think, because it, yeah. because of the fact that it's... Uh, the, real time. That, that can't be a problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact, it's, yeah, it's real time, and you know it, really, it works a lot better if you watch it in chunks as opposed to like every week you'd watch it and then wait seven days or whatever. Yeah, that's right. one of those shows that works. And speaking of twenty four, is coming back. The thing about twenty four is that if you binge watching the first season or two, the problem is you just keep going. Wait, seriously, that his daughter just got kidnapped twice in the same day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that does happen a lot. What a you know, day! Wait a minute. Why doesn't she just go home? She got freed. How does she get kidnapped? She's just irresponsible again, at this again. point. Like two hours later. Well, that's How like did the, Keeper raise such an idiot? The whole thing in season two, too. Like her low point was when she gets caught in a cougar trap, like in the oh, wilderness. Yeah. Like Kevin Dillon actually is there and is like this weird survivalist freak, and then she like. 
runs away from his cabin and then gets stuck in like a cougar trap. And then there's like you hear like wolves or something like really <laughs> from terrorists to wolves. What That's a day. Kim what is like a day. yeah, hard luck. <laughs> but they are bringing the show back next summer. Yeah, it was just announced as a limited series. It was like twelve episodes. I just so saw that twelve yesterday or something. yeah, yeah, twelve episodes next summer. Doesn't that mean it will be twelve? Instead of 24? Yeah, well, yeah, but they're also saying it's still going to be real time, but they're going to, like, take jumps in the day, I guess. So, like, oh, it'll be, cool. like, you know, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., and all of a sudden it'll jump and be 12 to 1 or whatever. So, like, they're just going to cut out the stuff that was just them spinning wheels or whatever. They'll be like, recently they took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode they. Well, jump maybe it'll over. cut. Maybe maybe like literally sleep. when Kiefer's like, I'm gonna drive to Venice Beach now, and he's in Glendale. <laughs> we won't have him there after a commercial break like they've done in the past. Uh, half the time they would just chop her around. So I guess you could believe that. But uh, you don't believe this traffic. Yeah, there should be a, there should be an entire episode. One That's episode. So funny. <laughs> it's just Jack trying to do workarounds. Him yeah. cutting to Beverly Glen, trying to go over the hill. That's Come not on, working. Man. Try Sepulveda. Recalculating. It's up. I thought Willoughby would be good. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that knew about this. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love that episode. I would. That too. would be an amazing episode. <laughs> It just keeps cutting to like the bad guy just twiddling his thumbs. Come on, go, oh, go, man. it's green, go, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, good god. Um, do you want to talk about this radio host thing? Oh yeah, I don't know if you heard this, but um, what's her name? Julia White. Did you? Paula hear? White. Oh, Paula White. Yeah, she was a BBC radio host, uh-huh. um, and she had a Friday. Her show aired on Fridays, like uh, playing music, yeah. and she was getting her show moved to Saturdays, and so she had her last episode of the Friday airing show, and she was wasted, and it's all so she drunk. got fired for this, so it didn't get moved to Saturday, it got cut out, moved but they forever, moved never. to forever, never, um, but they've like posted her her show that she did that day, and it is the craziest. Thing you've ever heard this it's lady really funny is it good it's good it's funny well because like they just cut out the song so it's like her it's her break so it'd be like her you know pitching to a song and, and like, coming back i'm not drunk i'm just sad and then she'd be like is anyone listening with their dogs Whee! like the craziest thing and like people were calling in like Paula, are you okay? I'm fine like really the b- most bizarre clip you've ever heard Maybe I'm, I don't I'm, know what you've heard. No, I'm dying to I'm, I'm dying to hear it. It's, I hope she's all right. I, hope she's I okay think she's too, okay. But, she's getting yeah. a lot of good press from this. Uh-huh. I feel like she's going to have a new niche. And I think it's, it's online. It's even radio. better because she's like got a very thick British accent. That's even, like now drunk hear. British thick. It's pretty hilarious. Chim chim chiru loves like it's almost to that point. <laughs> it's to the craziest. Yeah, it sounds like Mary Poppins got. Wasted. I was going to say, and she's actually gone back to the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the incredible that's thing. That's the crazy thing. There's also this time space continuum weird thing that happened. But we're thinking of you, Paula, in this time. I think she's going to be better than fine. I feel like she has a whole new audience now because she was so funny. But I mean, BBC Radio disagrees. For me, it's like one. There's radio still, and then um, like the DJs have always been pretty colorful in general, or at least the, the successful ones or whatever. It's not it's not cut and dry. Like a lot yeah. of them don't do the Ryan Seacrest like very like polished. Like now we're moving or the Dick Clark thing, Casey Kasem, you know, kind of thing where it's you know a little on the drier side but moves it along. A lot of the times it's like hanging out with your buds or whatever kind of guys. Nowadays. But even those have uh, this kind of controlled thing. That the sort of the thing that strikes me about hearing about Ju- Julia Paula. White, Paula, Paula White, Paula yeah. White. Uh, about Paula White is that uh, that somebody's actually doing something in uh, media that's not 
unbelievably controlled. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, in the sense that she's fired, that's, I but guess, But she that's had kind to be of, in that room to actually alone. Yeah. Somebody to actually... See, now, I have to say, just going back to the Beverly Hills Cop thing, mm-hmm. it, I, I, it just... The thing I didn't say is when we were talking about Eddie Murphy being in the show, I can't imagine a TV show where Eddie Murphy would get to be as free as Eddie Murphy yeah. was when he was doing SNL or, right. do, or doing point. that... The movies of, yeah. of Beverly Hills Cop, because that was the like thrill of that thing is how like how, uninhibited and right how right on the edge of the abyss he'd go yeah right um, yeah that doesn't really probably work it on network TV. It do, yeah, there, there there are too many people like hedging you know yeah. hedging bets and make sure that you don't alienate a demographic or oh a big, et cetera that that's a really can, good point Paula had a day Paula had one day of freedom. <laughs> God bless you, Paula. God bless you, Paula White. You wild woman. It was imagining her in that room, wherever she was. And then she would just She was noises. drinking for all of us. Yeah. There you go. That's she right. was. That's Paula, right. this one's for you. Demographic, you know, if, if she is popular, like, because uh, she probably was at yeah. the show, maybe, maybe her fans will rally behind her and maybe she'll land at I feel like she's going to get on Sirius or something and, like yeah, that. Yeah, she'll get a show somewhere and. She was made for podcasts. Because it's like she was just like drunk and silly and weird. It's not like she was up there spouting awful racist <laughs> no, comments or something. No, she was so sweet. She was just uh, you know, She was just a little Whee! out of her mind that night. <laughs> like she did that a few times. <laughs> I was so delighted listening. I hope she makes it out great. That's all. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, well. it's anniversary time. Guess what it is. What? Well, it's not exactly an anniversary, but Mission Impossible 5 is happening. That's right, and uh, Tom Cruise is fifty. That's wow. what's going on. It's uh, it's, it's weird. A double whammy. Think of somebody who's still very much an action star, and because um, like you see Harrison Ford now, and now he's like the grumpy old version of Harrison Ford. Like in every every, every part he plays now is like. Ugh. About everything. Tom Cruise is not giving in to age. But he's not. And it's hard to believe he's 50 because he's still in very good shape and does his stunts. He still has that boyish charm. The boyish charm. The intensity. That's right. Go the Tom. Hair, the, the hair. hair. The hair. The hair. hair's still there. Still there. It's still His chest in, yeah. is getting broader. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only sign of age. Well, he's and, just changing shape a bit. I mean, just the fact that he does so many of his own stunts still. Oh, my like, gosh. I mean, a lot of actors don't even do that when they're in their prime when they're young. <laughs> they're like, bring the double in. I'm not risking this. But he does so much of it. Movie star. Yeah, right. 50-year-old movie star. Way to go, buddy. That's right. Yeah. That doesn't happen no with kidding. women as much, huh? They don't let that happen with women. Boo yeah, America. Right. No, it, it, it's you're true, right. right? Sure. I, I mean, name them. Yeah. You know, there's like, it's like the shortest uh, shelf life. Uh, Helen Mirren. Uh, <laughs> Meryl Streep. Uh, Scorny Weaver. Yeah. Good night. Bye. Yeah. Everybody else. Oh, you're not at yeah. exactly what you were when you were 25. Boom. Well, Tom, bring a woman along with you next time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, he listens well, to the show. This is my Paula White so moment. Sure we'll, uh, <laughs> and this is Paula Whiting it. She's you Paula know Whiting. what, Tommy? Is that Kirkland drinking water? <laughs> I'm just sad. Well, you uh, you were in a Tom Cruise vehicle minority report. Yes, indeed. Uh, a great, great movie, um, despite the weird ending. But outside of that, uh, Spielberg, <laughs> Spielberg yeah. kind of made it. But little, she, wasn't she great? Uh, Samantha, uh, uh, Samantha Martin? Martin? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, like, that she gets... Uh, that's the thing that I loved about the movie, is that somebody who like has the least power 
I mean, like doesn't even have the use of her body. She's in a tank filled yeah, with hanging out uh, some milk product <laughs> somewhere. Like but she's able with without her body to avenge her father's death. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a great, wonderful, incredible thing in that uh, in that story. It's such a it's a cool cool movie, and um, you know, and it's, it's still referenced constantly too. Like that's one of those movies, those futuristic movies that keeps holding up so well we're still like when is it going to be like minority report well you know the thing is all the um the technology in that movie all those outlandish inventions and modes of transport and advertising so uh evidently uh spielberg and scott frank met with all of these futurists and technology developers because Virtually everything in that movie was something that was realistically being explored That's or developed, so cool. but they said, you know, we're 10, 15, we're 20 years away. away. Yeah. Right. But now most of it's yeah. happening. Like, yeah. on some level, I mean... Well, the, the, you have the video billboards, the electronic billboards, which right. they shut down most of around L.A., Yeah, uh, at least the ones owned by Clear Channel, I guess. Yeah, why like, did they shut those down? I think it was a couple of things. I think, one, it was distracting because of the movement and stuff, yeah. lots of drivers. Um, I think, one, that they glowed really bright at night, and there's people that lived in apartment complexes oh. next yeah. to them that were complaining about the light coming in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird that that's like, I walk by, I'll walk down my street now or whatever, drive around, you just see these blank... You know, electronic billboards like nothing on them. But you know, it, it, it you we will have this thing where if you've got a you know if you've, it's Sirius or XM yeah. uh, OnStar thing in your car, and as you're driving down the street, that the billboard that you will see um, will coming. be directed towards, towards your you. buying habits. That's so crazy. You know, or the um, I mean, I, I saw something about a billboard the other day that. Um, is a picture of a kid, and it's oh, somewhere I in Spain. But if you're if you're a kid's height, yeah, and you look at the kids beat up because it's about child abuse. So, and so yeah, to the grown up, you read it, and it's like um, stop child abuse. Yeah. But if for a kid, if you're shorter, it just looks like it's a like picture if, of a boy. But if you're yeah. shorter, you see the boy with like bruises on his face, and it says, "If you need help, call." Yeah. So yeah. only the kid sees the phone number who needs help. That's so cool. It is and kind it's of creepy. Yeah, kind of. And little but, people are all like, yeah. "I don't need help." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop treating me like a child. <laughs> so um, that can get cut out. Um, so so um, so that that sort of directed advertising that you get online at this moment, and, and, and you know, in your emails and uh, uh, blah 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 bloody blah blah blah. Did they have any kind of thing with that film because it is such a specific world where they are kind of pitching the world to all the actors and explaining the mythology that you exist in like it's it's so nope. it's own self nothing no, no, no. you just go in and say your words no i mean i i i it was it i mean there were there were conversations yeah. that you know hey you want to get a coffee sure yeah <laughs> hey, i understand this is actually in development somewhere no kidding <laughs> then know, bye. Oh, sounds like they need to be for touch-ups <laughs> um, you know there was you know there there were there was there must have been somebody must have talked about this because um well, there would be there. Uh, for instance, uh, there is a sequence early in the film, and I would know about this because I exist only early in the film. Um, in the Howard Marks family's kitchen, and uh, the kid is is cutting out the eye of Abraham Lincoln on this mask mm-hmm. that he has, and the husband and wife are discussing what's going to happen later that day, and um, we shot that. 
on a, I believe, a Yamaha robotic arm, a jib arm for the for the camera. But it was an arm that was an automated arm that was used in um, automobile manufacture. But it was the first time it was used in a film. Oh, wow. wow. And the idea was that they would mount the camera and we would do the scene and the camera would move all over all over the set and the scene. And then in the next take, they'd be able to make an adjustment to what the camera saw, either th- uh, by changing the lensing or, um, or lighting or removing a physical element from the set. Um, and but but have the and reshoot it, but have the frames match up um, exactly. Oh wow! Um, so that they could layer when they were cutting what was seen in. So when you saw the the precogs niche uh, um, vision, you get that strange distorted yeah. thing, and suddenly someone's there and they're not there, and it's kind of. What a futury yeah. approach to filming, too. It was, because, so cool. but there was like a safety meeting that, that was like, okay, so this thing is moving. It's gonna. This is the pattern that's going to follow, and we do the blocking, and so we're going to practice it a few times. Now, here's the thing: when, when we do the take, if you stumble on a line, if uh, if something anything goes, everybody just drop to the floor <gasps> because um, you do not want to be in the path of the camera. That's terrifying. Well, it was a little. Like, it's like, well, you know, we'll probably be able to stop it before it gets gets anywhere. But just if there's keep a moving, if there's a glitch, no, don't just drop. Get out oh of the way of this. You know. Did you guys have to drop ever? No, no, we Too never. Too good. Had, You're all, real professionals. All, no, we were. Yeah, the fear of decapitation by a camera. Yeah, that's not really well. In case of like sharpen a performance, in case of fire or flubbed line, stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> exactly. We have knives attached to all the moving cameras, so yeah. we encourage you not to mess up. You'd save a lot of money on it's good stuff. Digital film. Though. That's right. That's amazing. It yeah. must have been pretty cool to work with Spielberg. That's guys. It was pretty iconic. It was, you know that it is definitely that kind of thing where you're getting it. You know, there's a loudspeaker going, "Ari, can you just take a slight step to your right?" And you just sort of get lost. And it's like <laughs> Steven Spielberg knows my name, <laughs> and everyone can knows you he move knows to my the name? right, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, yeah. right away, <laughs> Mr. Spielberg, uh, yeah. my best friend. Uh, yeah, Stevie yeah. S. Can I call you that? No, <laughs> no. All right, no, just move to the right, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Had you met him before that film or had any nope. connection? Whoa. Nope. Whoa. Nope. Nope. Got right in. Bad Boys Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is the club I'm in. <laughs> is, is Stephen aware you guys are in the Bad Boys Club together? Or, uh... Nope. <laughs> but he knows everything else. Yeah. That's right. That's bad right. Boys don't talk yeah. about being in the Bad Boys Club. <laughs> I want to be in the Bad Boys Club. So uh, you, uh, one of your most famous roles was on Ellen as Adam Green for the first three seasons, I believe. That's correct. Um, and was that your first like actual like work like long uh, sitcom role? Yep. Because I think you'd probably guessed it on things before that. But the, uh, well, actually, the the only thing I had um, the, the only sitcom I had done prior to that was uh, an episode of Different Strokes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> 83, I think. So it prepped you well for a long-running sitcom. <laughs> it, it did, yeah. And They got uh, tired of your different stroke stories in the set of Ellen. <laughs> yeah. I'll never remember. Uh, you know, on Tuesday, no, it was actually, um, uh, it, you know, that was weird. It was weird doing, 
you know, it was weird dreaming about being in a Truffaut movie and then, you know, scoring an episode of Different Strokes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, huh? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but uh, Andrew Dice Clay was on that episode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I, uh, uh, in the episode, my, it, he brought a gun to school, Andrew Dice Clay. <gasps> a very special and episode. I, and I stole it from him <gasps> and sold it to Todd Bridges. You know why? Bad Boys Club. That's, That's right. Why. <laughs> That's right. What a crazy thing. Yeah. Was that the so, only episode that Andrew Dice Clay was on? Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm it might. Sure right? about his, yeah. his, his Cole, don't you know? I'm pretty good with filmographies. I don't know the extent of Andrew Dice Clay's involvement in different strokes. <laughs> yeah, he may, they may have brought him back. <laughs> it's possible later. Yeah. Different guy, you know. Yeah. They ran out of people. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had I hadn't really done um, uh, network I, I, oh. I, uh, sitcom stuff before that. What is that experience like when you're taping in front of a live audience and? Um, I'm assuming he, was that live? It was live, right? Yeah. 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 Um, that must be like, it's, it's a very different beast than doing film. Uh, I, it, it is, sort of. Um, but you have so much theater training that you're probably good with responding to what people like. Yeah, but you know, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a funny sort of thing because you, when you're, when you're doing a sitcom, um, Particularly if it's a slightly uptight environment, yeah, um, you can do stuff that's funny, but you have to understand that even though it gets a laugh from the studio audience, you might have just um, really run afoul of the uh, showrunner, oh man, or a cast member, and so that's, that's so you, you kind of have to use. Um, what the studio audience is bringing, that kind of energy that they bring to the room as well as their laughter, um, but also know that ultimately um, they're being – they're there not for their entertainment but to um, augment the show. Right. Um, and and it's, it's not a good idea to um, – or it wasn't in, in that situation – to rely on the response of the of the crowd in the audience because that's not who you're ultimately pleasing. Yeah, right. Right. Because the thing, you know, the the, the fact is, uh, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, the, the 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 writers will craft a scene, and um, and it's and it's built up so that there is so the laugh lands at a certain place that will then. Um, you know, there's a laugh, there's a cut, and that propels into the next scene. And you can find something hilarious to do, and if it's too early in the scene, it it doesn't oh. ruin that scene. It's still a funny scene, but it ruins the cut. And the momentum forward. of that cut. Yeah, yeah. right. right. Yeah, well, and that and that stuff that. you don't necessarily, you know, when you're when you're out there and 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 you're just scoring. Yeah, you feel like it's going great. Um, but you know, and then you have like people who are like sort of carrying their hair out because because they're actually going for something else that'll take them to the end of the twenty two minutes. So that was a show that probably not much improvisation on set. Was it pretty strict to what was written? It uh, it, it was there. There there was some room during rehearsal, but you know, we we would table read on Monday, Mm -hmm. and by Wednesday we were. you, You kind of had to have the show. Right, um, and then and then there there was tweaking, 
Um, and certainly there's, there's a lot of stuff gets, get, gets adjusted um, on the night in front of the audience because if there's something that they've been that's been counted on to be a laugh and you know every writer and executive has found it funny and then they get in front of an audience and there's nothing they realize oh it's it's something it's either inside or yeah it's just not translating for some reason and they have to cut it or rebuild it in a way that'll work so they can get to the next thing so right and you never know like where the audience <laughs> how the audience got there, where they came from. Right. At the time, like, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to Universal Studios and they'd be recruiting studio audiences from there. So we went to a taping of the five Mrs. View cannons that show that had, Whoa. I think Judith Ivey was on it. Um, you know, we were just like, <laughs> <laughs> we were just like, you know, going to Universal Studios that day. Hey, yeah. want to go see a taping of a live sitcom? Well, yeah. okay, sure. But like, we're not, we're in no way, shape or form like, pinpointed audience members of the show it was literally like warm bodies that may react to this um, yeah right of various ages you never know what kind of a room you're going to get into or if the warm-up guy does their job um so yeah you could never know what kind of it could be a great a really well-written episode and just not land for some reason i'm now imagining paul white um being sort of <laughs> like becoming a warm-up person for <laughs> sitcoms <Hello>. and yeah <laughs> 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 That's what she should do. She could throw so many T-shirts. That's right. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like her, but uh, she's got my attention. I'm I'm interested. It's not that I found it funny. It's I'm sad. I'm so sad. <laughs> Who here is sad? I'm really bummed out now. I hope this taping's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! If you laugh at the show, will you get her help? You will. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, that's very good. Had you had a lot of experience doing comedy before that show? Uh, I'd done a lot of um, a lot of comedic roles, but I never mm-hmm. did. Um, you know, I never worked in stand up or yeah. improv area. Um, so a lot of the cast no. had done. I mean, that yeah. Ellen girl. Yes, she had done quite a. She had some. I believe she'd had some comedy on her resume. I wish it had worked out for her. Yeah, she had yeah. a real something about her. <laughs> Way to go, Ellen. Je ne sais quoi, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I named. She's funny. Um, no, I was just wondering because I, I rewatched the pilot yesterday of Ellen. Really? Yeah, and it was. It's a really. It was a tight pilot. Um, it was so fun, and I was just wondering because the cast seemed to have a great chemistry, and it didn't really feel like a pilot that much. As as much as a lot of them do, like a lot of the first episodes where it feels like they're finding it, it felt really tight. And it, I just wondered if everybody had been doing stand up or how everyone had met. But it was just a typical casting situation, basically. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, um, I, I, the only thing atypical about it is that the creators of the show, um, Carol Black and Neil Marlins, had uh, 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 Carol had written Soul Man. Oh. And and Neil had produced it. Anyway. Know, to what degree he also helped with some of the scene. I don't know. You know <laughs> but I think that was that, that it was, uh, you know, officially that it was written by Carol and Neil produced. And so I had, I had had um, a history with them. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I had worked very, very briefly uh, on the Wonder Years. And, oh, yeah. And we were connected already. So when they were doing this show, um, I, you know, it was at a time where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was looking to do a sitcom. Yeah. And, and, um, 
But, it, you know, at that moment, it seemed like a really, like the right thing to do. Right. You had been Kevin uh, Arnold's voice, right? For one, for one, for one episode, I, I had, I had, um. Did you take him to too dark of a place? <laughs> he was too I brooding. I don't know exactly what it was, but, you know, I did, I recorded uh, several of them. Yeah. And then, and the pilot aired and then, um, and I, I literally was in the car listening to some NPR station and uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. I'm Terry Gross was on and uh, her, her guest was uh, was Danny Stern. Yeah. And, and, and Danny Stern was talking about this new show that he no. was doing. Yeah. That's how I found out I was No. Fired. You yeah, heard yeah, yeah. an interview with Danny Stearns who's doing your job now? Yeah. And nobody and has like, told you? What? What? And you guys had done Coupe de Ville already, right? Uh, no, no, it, that was this. It, this was prior to Coup de Ville. Did okay. you give yeah. him a stern talking to when you saw him on that set? No, hey, I didn't. Asshole. He's the greatest <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah, he's super great. Isn't that he the worst really news great. when somebody yeah. that you want to get mad at? It's like, no, you're the best, actually. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I even. I see the thing is, I, I even loved him. His interview where that he was, was saying that, <laughs> where underneath I was feeling the fact that I had been fired. Um, I loved him because I loved him from breaking away. He's so good. He's so great. I mean, yeah. in everything. Yeah. Great movie. Everything. Yeah. And he's great now. He's a great, you know, he's a great artist. He's yeah. a great sculptor. Yeah. And a, and a, and a philanthropist and a humanitarian. And you just get him. <laughs> what I'm doing here. Actually, could you leave? Because I think Danny just pulled up. Right. <laughs> Coop DeVille had a great cast, too, because I'm a huge Alan Arkin fan. Like, oh, yeah. Huge. The guy's amazing. Amazing. Uh, which also, he did Mother Night. I don't know if you guys had any scenes together in that. But. We were uh, sort of adjacent we okay. weren't necessarily, but we yeah in the same in building yeah. in the movie. We were yes, we're. yes, and we and we did see each other. Maybe I was not. I was not actually in a scene with him, um, but um, um, and 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 I've, Adam, his son, is v- one of my nearest and dearest, and he's amazing yeah. and so so and many Matthew, s- yeah, uh, who I, uh, who I've worked with and we've done plays together and. Yeah, the yeah. whole argument. And he's yeah. now quite quite a um, uh, highly regarded acting teacher here in L.A., Matthew Orkin. That's right. Yeah. So I heard that, yeah. Yeah. And then um, – and also Patrick Dempsey was in uh, Coupe de Ville as well, the other that, brother. That's right. Trio. And uh, and he has – I understand he's done rather well. He's done okay. Yeah. He's gone to McDreamy status. That's right. Oh, I know. Uh, we did a great <laughs> pilot together many years after Coupe de Ville that nobody – that – that it, it was so. It was too good. It was too good. It could not live. It was so good. But it was a pilot of the player. That's right. I yeah, they were doing that. That yeah, that Michael Tolkien wrote. Did it air? Yeah. It did not air. It was a pilot. And it was oh. one of those things that like ABC loved so much that they couldn't put it. Drown it in the bathtub. On the air. To to inside, I'm guessing would be no, there. I don't even criticism. think it was. I don't even think it was that. I thought. I mean, I don't have a huge part in it, but I was extremely proud to be associated with it. I mean, I'm sure 90% of the actors in the business feel that way about pilots they've done that never went anywhere. But it was something that it was, it was such a, it was a really classy, smart, elegant show. Um, And they, I think I think basically what it was is they could not find a place that made sense for it. 
And then there's this weird thing where when there's no place... um, Like, imagine somebody gave you a... A a crystal, a Fabergé egg. Got it. Just for as the craziest thing to, but it's like highly beautiful, crafted thing. And you look around, you go, I don't want to put it there. I got a clear bunch of papers from there. Um, I could put it. No, bathroom seems like a weird place for it. Uh, (laughs) You know what? I think I'll just throw it away because there's no place to put it. Bury it in the backyard where it'll be safe forever. Yeah, and and but it never comes out again. The, oh. the, 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 there's so many great efforts. I'm not just talking about that, but it, yeah. just in the industry where people go, this is a wonderful thing. But if we, we have a slot on Tuesday night, but it's up against that horrible Tuesday night thing and it won't thrive there. And so uh, we don't have anything on Thursday night, but we could put it on Friday, but that's terrible. So let's just. I mean, that happens with great <laughs> scripts, too. Like, yeah. beautifully written scripts that have no exact home because it's not what people are looking for right now, or it's too sweet, or it's too smart. Like, yeah, all right. these things that just get buried, which is so sad when you look at some of the, like, incredibly lowbrow things that get elevated because it's just easier. It's sad to think of all that creative juice being yeah, flushed. And a lot of the stuff, too, like, it's just a matter yeah. of timing, too. Like, it's... If it was done two years later, it would have right. had a perfect fit. Or if it was done a year earlier, yeah, it would right. have been great. But just the time it was. And then those people, you know, when it doesn't go, they move on to other stuff. And then sometimes those pilots surface and you go, this is amazing. And look at this cast. And they're so great. Oh, I can't believe this was passed on. And, and oh, well. But this is the <laughs> yeah. era now, I think more than ever, that if things get rediscovered, I mean, not – not everything, certainly, but there is this new appetite for like things being rediscovered, and then like just make it, make it on your own, put it on the internet. I mean, like shows coming back after being canceled for yeah, five tw- seasons, like, this yeah. uh, arrest development yeah. thing, twenty four, you know, all this stuff. It is kind of it's kind really of interesting. Yeah, it kind of um, started like also like with Family Guy originally yeah. dying, and then because the DVDs became so popular, they resurrected it. Like that just that stuff just never happened. Well, and all this crowdsourcing. I mean, Veronica Mars too. It's like taking something that was gone. But then people decide they want it to live. And instead of it being what's traditionally been with all the executives making the decision, it's coming a little more to the fans and to the supporters to get behind it. And then, like, more often than not, actors are super excited to do that again. Or writers yeah. are like, I did love that. I would well, love to do it again. It's mostly they're, yeah, they're resurrecting things that everybody who, like, watched them loved and the people that worked on them loved. It's yeah. usually not like, oh, remember that awful thing that we all hated doing? <laughs> Let's Somebody do that again. Somebody to do it again. It's yeah. never, rarely that, you know? I think so. That is an exciting thing about the direction of entertainment. I've said some negative things about it, but I think it's really cool that people kind of do have more power now and that if... If people get together, it's just it's a nice lesson that you know if you believe in something, there's probably hopefully four hundred thousand people willing to I donate. Do. That's right, forty dollars each. It's true. That's a budget. <laughs> you also did a movie that like is near and dear to my heart, even though it makes no sense when I rewatch it. Is House Two, the second story? Sure. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is one of the few sequels well, that uh, has, what doesn't make sense? I'm sure. <laughs> it has. It's one of the few sequels that has absolutely nothing to do with the first movie. Like nothing. None of the characters. I'm sorry. I would like to say it does have the word house in the title. Just other, you're right. You're right. You misspoke. But if Mr. you watch Stratton. the two back to back, you're like, those are just two different movies. <laughs> uh, they really don't have anything to do with each nothing other. to do with each other. And it's one of those films that, like, it, it as it goes, it spirals further into weirdness as it goes on. That after a while, you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to step back and watch this thing because. I'm not going to try to explain it anymore. There's a caterpillar dog and a baby pterodactyl running around. That's right. That's a good life. 
and all sorts of time jumping and stuff and uh, I'm gonna admit it, it, I haven't seen House Two, so if you guys could get, bring okay, me up to well, speed, we can talk. Sure, <laughs> uh, 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 Ethan Wiley, yeah, um, who uh, who wrote House and and wrote and directed House Two, um, at some point fairly out of the press said, you know, the unbelievable thing is I wrote this in two weeks. <laughs> We were thinking two days. Really? Really? That well, long. That's another thing that was gone for so long, and now it's been a popular TV show. Hugh Laurie got bomb brought up. Different house. Different house. Oh, whoops, whoops. Uh, uh, and also, too, it's like yeah. they set up this whole. They set up this whole thing where like there's a skull that everybody wants, and then you dig sure. up your grandpa. Wait, is this a scary movie? It starts. Kind of. Is, it starts like it might. <laughs> that it might actually wind up being a scary movie, a little bit, <laughs> okay, but not really very <laughs> scary. And then it becomes a kind of fantasy romp, a kind of fantasy romp <laughs> that is keep going, yeah, that darkly is not fulfilling, really, <laughs> darkly fulfilling, and you find that it's not really appropriate for children, and it's not and. Like real horror fans will be like, "What's going on?" Like, come on! But there's this marijuana demographic. There's this marijuana (laughs) demographic. It's it's nine stars out of ten from ecstasy users. Yeah, Uh, because it just gets weirder and weirder. Let's roll on this movie, bro. Yeah, you kind of have to just go with it. And what I think is interesting is that it's um, that that it is a. that Midnight in Paris, um, it's actually the response to Midnight in Paris, <laughs> yeah. though made 25 years, years earlier. Prior, yeah. Because the uh, the uh, protagonist in House 2 opts to go and, go and stay in the past yeah. rather than uh, um, uh, re- reject the past and stay in what the present. What a strange present. world. It's also got Bill yeah. Mars in it, Amy Asbeck's in it. They, That's they, right. They take this time to introduce these like, two girl characters that then just disappear about halfway through the film. Kind Classic. of, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind it's of like, of, well, well we can we play that out? Let's I think <laughs> I even got to a certain point when he was writing and went, uh, what, I, what, what, what was I calling her? Uh, never mind. <laughs> and then... Um, uh, Anyway, the, and the other uh, uh, connection that it has to the first movie is the Cheers connection. Yes. What? First one has yes. George Went. The second one has John Ratzenberger. Oh, That's my right. gosh. So That's they're right. pretty closely linked, actually, Cole. And J- John there. Ratzenberger shows up, and he's like this, like, uh, repairman for portals or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like the weirdest. Yeah. It's like an, it's an electrician, but then he, like, opens up a portal to... Of course it does. 19th century for us. It's so bizarre. Oh, I yeah. love it, though. I kind of love it. I can't not can't Speaking not of uh, surreal moments you've had. Devin DeVasquez. She was, uh, she, Who's she was that? in it. She became, it was, like, became like a big uh, Playboy person. Oh. Like a big, uh, yeah. Centerfold. <laughs> oh, big Centerfold. That doesn't happen often. She's one of the largest Centerfolds <laughs> we've ever had. Very uh, wide, but... <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> uh, we watched right before you got here something surreal that you were involved in that I wonder how it felt to be. How, hopefully you did have a front row seat and this wasn't just cut together. A little dance scene between John Travolta and Kelly Preston. Yes. <laughs> and the experts. There was so much butt grabbing. What a jaw-dropping scene. <laughs> what is uh, your feeling? The, da- the dance sequence is very... Um, it's crazy. It's very humpy and butt grabby. <laughs> um, well, I think it was um, tasteful. 
for I, I think it spoke to the you know it was made in 1988 and it, it spoke was, to the uh, times the hairdo spoke to the times so as certainly, well certainly did beautiful flowing yeah. locks in that film were you really yeah. in the room for the dance scene <laughs> I think like, I maybe had that day off oh. yeah, yeah a, I don't think I was a reaction yeah. the wing, there was so. a reaction yeah. I was really hoping you were in there because I want to know what that was like <laughs> you know that was the the um, the the director of photography in the movie was Ronnie Taylor. Who was the uh, was the DP on Gandhi? Whoa! Yeah, that's a natural jump. Yeah. All right, <laughs> next movie. There we go. No, uh, yeah, experts. John Travolta. Yeah, Travolta. Wow, that's where they met Travolta and Preston on that film. The it's true. Yeah, and there it went. Yeah. Uh, well, you have a film yeah. now that is uh, hitting this festival circuit called Commencement. That's right. So is doing that's well. a very different kind of film. It's than pretty the much like the experts, but different. Yeah, but different. <laughs> um, yeah. Now that I mean, just in terms. So the, the experts is a movie that started out with you know a premise gets bought by a studio and it goes through a lot of development and that's what it ends up being. And commencement came about because um, uh, there's a uh, there's a, a writer director and actually a a, a teacher at the USC School of Cinema, Steve Albrezzi, um, who's a, a, I've worked with uh, off and on for about 20 years as a theater director. And, um, and he had some, some money and some equipment to make a film last summer. And we got a few people together and talked about what contains story um, with a small group of actors using his house as a location, could he make during the oh, period wow. that he had basically access to the camera package and the light package? That's awesome. Everyone was involved in yeah. like figuring out what it could be. Well, a, a, a few a few people, mm-hmm. and but but mostly Steve sort of having having an idea, and we would get together and and um, and. And a couple of the actors would we would talk about what, as as just you know, human beings of a certain age, what our concerns were, and what developed was this story about um, t- on this day, um, a, a a couple is having a party for their daughter who's just graduated from college, and so she's graduated a couple of days earlier and they're having a commencement party and there are some things to be revealed about their lives on this day um the 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 parents are struggling in their marriage uh you know they're both they're both educated accomplished people but because this this fiscal crisis um they're they're losing their house Hmm. And he's lost his business. And their marriage is going down the tubes. And the daughter who's been in college for four years is coming home to find out that this kind of – this basis, uh, uh, this this jumping off point for her new life is kind of disintegrating. Oh, wow. Um, and um, – um, and and it's not completely a, a downer, but it's sort of dealing with you know the things some real life issues. Yeah. So Does it's it no, take it's no place midnight on one clear. day? It's not. It's, 
Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not midnight clear. And it's it, not house two. Yeah, and, and it's not bridesmaids. <laughs> um, but it's, um, um, you know, it's a. It, it, you know, I think we all, in a way, had like Mike Lee in our minds as we were mm. okay, working great, on yeah. it. That's great. You know, just you know, try and find that tone. Yeah. Not mumblecore, but try and find that tone that has to do with the the vibe of life. Right. That's awesome. You know, realistic. Yeah. So it all takes place within the one day? Yeah. That's great. And yeah. it's already getting festival buzz. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Won one, one, uh, an audience won award? A, uh, won the, yeah, a Best Feature Award at uh, in uh, Charleston a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Best Actress Award for Martin Hinkle, um, who, uh, uh, who, who plays my wife in the movie. She's... Really well known for her theater work and mm-hmm. also Two and a Half Men. She's um, John Cryer's ex-wife on Two and a Half Men. Oh, yes. Nice. And, yeah. and it's going to Ann Arbor. Uh, um, at festival beginning there. of June, yeah. Nice. Everybody yeah. keep your yeah. eyes up Check for it. it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, Thanks. And I love that yeah. Genesis story of you know people that want to work together yeah, getting well, together. It is that thing of just at a certain point saying, well, what's, should we, why don't we just do something? Yeah. You know, totally. which is more and more kind of, you know... It's the new model. You kind of have to make your own party. Right. That's right. Yeah. Other That's people sure. don't always want to invite everybody. That's right. <laughs> well, let's do first, shall okay, we? Okay, We do a different first question every podcast, a different first from life. Um, this one I thought of just because Great Gatsby is in theaters right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was the first classic novel you can remember being assigned to read at some point in school or anywhere else and absolutely loved? Um... I, I, I the the first thing that comes to mind is the secret sharer. What uh, is that? Uh, Joseph Conrad. Oh, okay, I've never yeah. heard that. Um, and um, was that a school like a high school assignment? Yeah, that, yeah. that was that was a high school assignment. But the thing I'd rather talk about is the <laughs> fact because this I recalled this just the other day when I was about ten. My dad gave me. The book that he had just read, which was uh, Cat's Cradle by Kurt oh, Vonnegut. Great book. At 10? Yeah. Great book. And, and, it was, and I could read it, and it had the word fug in it <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> and your dad gave it to me. And my you. dad gave it to me, and I thought, well, this, this is really fantastic. And I thought uh, um, a kind of you know, validation from my dad that he was you know, sort of entrusting me with the word fug. Uh, nice. That I would not abuse it, and I could ha- that I could handle it. But boy, and, did you prove him wrong! And <laughs> it, it, it made me a lifelong Kurt Vonnegut fan. That's yeah, awesome. I've read everything um, Kurt Vonnegut's yeah. ever written. He's a huge, huge hero of mine. And and it is, and it's a great story. I mean, it, it's hearing the news over the weekend that like CO two in the atmosphere has reached, you know this. This crisis point yeah. of 400 parts per billion or whatever it is, yeah. it's like ice nine. It really it's is. like we've crossed the thing that people said we shouldn't. You know, don't don't want ice nine touch water. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, and Vonnegut's so. stuff is so out there and amazing that like it's almost almost all of it's unfilmable. Like the mo- movie adaptations have been. Yeah, 
pretty rough, or like you know, Breakfast of Champions didn't really work. Um, Mother Night's pretty decent. I like Mother Night a lot, and Slaughterhouse Five was pretty good. It's one of my favorite movies, I have to say. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. In idea. general, like they're very, they're not linear. They're kind of all over the place. There's a lot of different worlds and time travel and things like that that like make them very. It's hard, hard to translate into. Yeah, yeah. this oh. stuff would be very hard to translate to the screen. Yeah, but he's great. How about you, Vanessa? What was yours? Um, I. My family read so much. I wasn't supposed to watch much TV, so I was always reading. But the first book I remember having like a real disconnect with my class, like everyone else was groaning, and I was really excited by was Grapes of Wrath. I loved it so much. I think that was freshman year. Um, but everybody like wanted to like skirt around it and was looking for the spark huh. notes for it and like trying to cheat it out. And I really loved it. Um, it was just so so great, and I'm still a big fan. I've read that book so many times now. I'm a big fan of that book. <laughs> it is it is, it a, is a great great book. It's beautiful, and I know a little little background story on Grapes of Wrath. Oh, really? That I'd be happy to show you. Please do. Um, so, I, uh, uh, many years ago, uh, I've met a guy named Horace Bristol um, when he was like in his 80s, and Horace Bristol was a photographer, and he was living in Ohio, and. Um, he he's a guy who had this kind of incredible moment. Um, this is a kind of a long story, but um, back around the time that James Agee and Walker Evans did uh, went to um, Appalachia mm-hmm. um, for Look Magazine or Fortune Magazine. Um, and came back with Let Us Now Praise Famous Men and Walker Evans' incredible uh, photographs of of poverty in rural America during the Depression. Um, I, I think it was also Fortune Magazine that sent uh, Horace Bristol and a writer to Visalia, California to do uh, a photo essay about um, itinerant farm workers uh, coming in from the Dust Bowl. And, and Horace Bristol took all these uh, incredible photographs and um, after some months, the writer got in touch with him and said, "Sorry, it, I, the, the article's not going to happen. I actually, it's 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 a book now." And huh. it was John Steinbeck, and it was became <gasps> Grapes of Wrath. Oh my Amazing. gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, so H- Horace took these pictures that you can fi- you can find online um, that when the movie was made with Henry Fonda. Yeah. They used his photographs for uh, production design. Oh, my gosh. And, and there's a guy in his pictures, you go, hey, look, it's Henry Fonda. Oh, no, <gasps> it's not. And it's not Tom Jode, but it's another guy there who looks exactly like Who they were guys. based on. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. Horace passed away uh, a number of years ago, and but he had this incredible story as a photographer. He, during World War II, he was pulled into Steichen's air... Uh, photo core. He basically photo documented along with a few hundred other photographers World War II. There's a photograph that he took. He was in a Dumbo plane uh, over the Mediterranean. It was the the invasion of Africa. There was a squadron of planes. You know, picture those planes that had like the glass round tail and there'd be a tail gunner. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's in the back of this plane and they start getting shot at by, you know, the Nazis. Uh-huh. And a, and a, the U.S. plane goes down, and the plane that he's in, uh, they, they were amphibious, so they could land on the water, and they did. 
and while they're being shot at, and there's this tail gunner who rips off his flight suit and jumps in the water and pulls uh, like wounded, shot out of the sky airmen out of the ocean onto the plane and then gets back up and pulls his little leather Snoopy cap back on (laughs) and... And stands at this, you know, 50-millimeter gun or whatever it is and starts shooting again. And Horace is on the floor uh, up against the fuselage of this plane and is shooting pictures. Wow. He was terrified. Uh, He spends the aftermath of World War II in what was then called Occupied Japan. In the 80s and the, um, like, the housing bubble had burst Mm -hmm. then, um, he... was going to lose everything because he didn't have any money. Nobody wanted to build uh, buy houses, so he had he had a stack of photographs. And he went to Sotheby's and said, "You know, I don't know if these are worth anything, hmm. but you know, I did some of the stuff with John Steinbeck that wound up being Grapes Wrath. I did. You know, he shot the Ballet Russe coming to San Francisco in 1924 or something. And there was this picture of this like naked guy." At a big Gatling gun at the back of an airplane, and like Bruce Weber bought it. Whoa! And Bruce Weber. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! That that's there it. It is. And, and, and John Bruce, just pulled it up. And Bruce, so Bruce Weber said that he like put it up, and it was his inspiration whenever he did a photo shoot. And suddenly, this guy in his eighties was like, "You're a cherished photographer. We want to see all your work." Oh wow! And, and you he said, well, never know. you know, I left it all with my Japanese mother and I told her all to, to like burn everything. <gasps> I didn't want to bring it back. And then his wife said, oh, you know, but my mother actually kept everything. Thank so God. there's this treasure trove of the, the most incredible stuff that this guy, you know, the, these documents of the mid 20th century from Horace Bristol that can be University of Virginia did a whole thing on like that's amazing oh my gosh anyway, that's amazing yeah, so. Horace Bristol Grapes of Wrath Grapes of Wrath um, that's great uh, for me uh, well it's hard I mean I definitely loved Lord of the Flies yeah but I think the first thing for me was and I didn't read it at the time I was behind on it was To Kill a Mockingbird oh good okay. and, uh, which is an amazing book yeah but at the time I had read like one or two chapters and the quizzes were coming up and I was like, oops. And so I, when I took the test, it was like, identify the following characters, Mr. Cunningham. So I wrote like Richie's dad on happy days, things like that next <laughs> time, right? Oh, you. As and a so student. Oh when I turned God. it in, my teacher, you know, graded it all wrong, turned back and I was like, well, actually nowhere on the sheet does it say identify the following characters from the novel to kill a mockingbird. Oh, it just says identify you're the horrible, following characters. Cole. You're so horrible. I believe that, you know, Mr. Cunningham is Richie's dad on happy days. So I believe, I believe you're correct. Yes. I'm correct. She's like, ugh. And like gave me, you know, like, good marks on the thing just because. <laughs> I caught her in a technicality. Um, and then later I went back and read the book and absolutely loved it. Oh, but good. After you've been a little smart <laughs> After I found my way teacher. to cheat and do an A on the test. <laughs> but I didn't know the answers to. I'm going to do my questions real quick. We'll blow through these. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you five uh, questions that are trivia from your own projects. Me? Yep. Okay. See how you do. Uh, question one. You played hit nightclub owner Wendell in the American meets Russian comedy The Experts alongside Travolta. What is the name of the fictitious Nebraska town they're taking to that it's actually in Russia? Uh, Beaver Falls. 
Very close. Very I have close. no idea. <laughs> Indian Springs. Indian Springs. Super close, oh, though. Oh, nice. Interesting. Uh, question two. You played Buddy Libner, one of three brothers in the comedy Coupe de Ville with Patrick Dempsey and Danny Stern. The brothers are asked by their father, played by Alan Arkin, to drive a 54 Coupe de Ville across the country. What cities does the drive go between? Uh, from uh, somewhere in uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, Car City. Uh, Car Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. 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 Yeah. To uh, Florida, to uh, like Coral Gables or yeah, Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Good job. Uh, Great movie. I like that movie a lot. Thank you. Me too. Uh, question three. You played Howard Marks, the portrayed husband marked by the precogs to be a murderer in Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. The film was based on a short story by what beloved sci-fi author? Philip K. Dick. Boom. It's an amazing. Boom, yeah. Also no did, problem. Uh, do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, which became Blade Runner uh, in all its weird versions. <laughs> um, question four. And Total Recall. And Total Recall, and yeah. Recall's great, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, you played Andy Leonard in Robert Towns' slick thriller Tequila Sunrise. Kurt Russell's character, a hair-slicked-back detective, was modeled on what famous sports figure originally intended to play the role? Uh, Pat Riley, yeah. coach of the uh, L.A. Lakers. He's Lakers. so good. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine him in the role because of the way that Kurt Russell looked, but I can't imagine him in the role. <laughs> uh, would have been interesting. And finally, question five. You played clerk Matt Welsh in the psycho killer model comedy Hexed. The film marked the final big-screen appearance of what legendary actor most famous for a role as a TV landlord? Norman Fell. Yeah. God bless his soul. You have got that going on. Good old Norman Fell. Uh, Now I have questions, but we can speed through those two. Okay. Are you ready? Very different. Have you ever met an Olsen twin? I have not. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. She, has that, she has that every podcast. <laughs> sure. It's about a 4% um, it's turnover. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, if you could go into any one of the movies or TV projects you've been in and swap out your role for the lead, what would you do? And and swap out my, my role for the lead? Yeah. Oh, I have no I. Wouldn't you want to play Bette Midler's part? Let's get real. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really. (laughs) Uh, um, But she really uh, sang uh, well in that movie, didn't she? Oh, my gosh. What a voice. She's really great. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Here's a question. You've angered a wizard, and he's going to give you a choice between two punishments to choose from. Either you become Squirrel Man, and you live your regular life, but you're in charge of a hundred squirrels that live in your house. (laughs) I mean, you have their character. Yeah. 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 Or your back is covered in polar bear fur. Oh, I would definitely go with the the polar bear fur. Really? Yeah. It would be so warm. Yeah, it would, but um, <laughs> LA is hot. You know, but it's soft and no more true. topless yeah. scenes. Yeah, well, but people that, would want. There are like... other reasons why that's not happening. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I can't imagine a uh, hundred little uh, <laughs> verminy things in my house because you know they are the... just rats with fluffy tails. They are, yeah. Yeah. and they are cunning. They will get into your feeders. They don't care if it's they birds, will. and they can't, they. Carry disease. They do. That's disgusting. It is. You made the right choice. I think so. Thank you. Um, Okay. Wink, wink. I heard you're adapting a play into a TV movie that's very flashy. Which play are you taking to the screen? Homer and the Donut Shop. Oh, of course you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be exciting. It's actually the first play I was in. Really? Yeah. Yeah. First grade? Uh, uh, Fifth grade. Oh. Yeah. What kind of role were you in? I played uh, Mr. Anderson, the advertising man. Character actor from the start. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Time to bring it back. (laughs) And this is your last question. What's your favorite kind of stage? Um... My favorite kind of stage would be one, uh, it would be in the round. Oh, you love doing stuff in the round? Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, no, you have it. no escape. No escape. That's you right. got to be yeah. there. It's yeah. like the jib is moving towards your head at all times. That's the right. And, and, and there's a problem. You get lost, you stumble, just drop the to the ground. floor. <laughs> a lesson yeah. for all stage there actors. And if you guys are in the LA area, you're often doing shows around here. You've done stuff yeah, at do so Antius, LA Theater Works, South Coast Rep. The Geffen, most yeah. recently, did a new Donald Margulies play so last awesome. fall and, or last winter called Coney Island Christmas, which they are going to do again. This year, and I would highly recommend oh, that's awesome. everyone go see it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks for yep. being on the show, Ari. You're well, a delight. Through. Uh, check out Thank Commencement in the festival circuit as it makes its round. Yeah. yeah. Um, and watch your TV because Ari will be on it in a million ways that so you'll be like, Alright You did that <laughs> He's back <laughs> uh, You can follow us on Twitter uh, You're not on Twitter Are you right? Not, not yet not Any yet. second now really I think They'll pop up there one day yeah. uh, You can follow us on there At Cole Stratton At Vanessa Ragland The podcast is at PMC Podcast Thank you guys for listening And thanks for being here Ari Yeah We Thank did you. it Bye bye Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast On iTunes Check us out online At popmyculturepodcast.com And follow us on Twitter At PMC Podcast Thanks for listening.